It's no secret that porn has been a pretty dirty word for a long time. I often struggle when I say it, when speaking to sex workers or people in the adult industry, because I feel like it is so derogatory and negative. But it, it's not, because in some ways, it is and it's not, and it is and it's not. And I think it depends on who you talk to and really the sentiment and the context in which it's spoken about, like, like a lot of things. I have a lot of friends who are sex workers. I don't judge it. I don't dismiss it. And it's, you know, truly one of the longest standing businesses of all time. What's really been the issue is how it's affected women and trans women in how um, abusive it can be when the power dynamic is shifted. And it has been for a really long time. I have a friend who I'm speaking to today. Her name is Tasha Rain. That's her performer name. I know her as Rachel, which is her government name, who's so smart and so awesome. When I met her, she was back in school getting her master's degree. And um, we'll talk about it in a minute, but she's written a book and she's a mother and she's a business owner and has an insane real estate portfolio. And what I kind of hate is that in the way I'm speaking about her is I'm not like justifying her being a sex worker. I want to be clear about that. I don't want to say, oh, she's a sex worker, but she's so smart. It doesn't matter. What I love about Rachel is that regardless of what she does, she's fucking badass and she's super smart and she's super intelligent and she's gorgeous and she's very, 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 very funny and a huge animal lover. And I am really excited to read her book because I think we have to stop talking about people and saying, but they are, you know, it's like me. It's like, I'm blonde, but, or I'm queer, but I'm not that gay, or I'm this, and I'm, but I'm not this. And we have to start accepting people for all of the facets that they are and understanding how layered and nuanced people are, which is what makes them unique and which makes them super cool. Um, this is a really fun episode because I'm basically just talking to a good friend, which I love. And I learn a lot about her, and I'm excited for you guys to learn about her as well. You've been such a sport with me in all my shows. You've been you've been so successful. You've had so many. No, no. Yeah. I don't know if that's successful. If you have I, so many. But this one I love the most because I get to just like talk to my friends who I admire and I get to share all of these interesting people in my life, their story with more people, which I love. And I was saying this to Rachel last night about you. I feel like you have like a fucking angel or you've been like touched by an angel or everything you touches turns to gold. I'm telling you, I really think oh, that nice. about you. That's thank you. You're so welcome. Well, okay. We have to start at the beginning. Yeah. I never watched Laguna Beach. You were on Laguna Beach. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, it is insane. Um, and then you started working in porn, right? Like how young, how like 20s or what? Like when did you make that first transition? Because the way that you've described it to me and tell me if I'm saying it wrong is you really loved. And I agree, like the gorgeous, like 
you know, those early days of Vivid, like these beautiful, powerful, fucking hot women. You're like, I see their power and I'm into that and I want to do that too. Is that right? Yeah. So I got to be on the Laguna Beach show in high school and it was like my first glimpse of being in front of a camera and I was like, oh, this is kind of, you know, this is cool. I enjoy this. And then after high school, I moved up to LA and I actually got into the adult business when I was probably like 19 escorting. So I was like doing adult work way before I did porn. So I did that for like years. And then when I was 21, I started going up to the Playboy Mansion. I could have even been 20 years old. And I started modeling for Playboy. And then I asked Hef if I could be a Playmate, not just a Playboy model. I had been like in Playboy's magazine, Girls of the Pac-10. I had been in actual Playboy magazine. I had been modeling for them. And I just really wanted to be a Playmate. And he tested me at Santa Monica Studios with Arnie Freytag. And he did not make me a Playmate. And I was like fucking devastated. I was so hurt because it was my dream. Like I wanted to be a Playmate since I was in high school, since the Girls Next Door came out. And I was just like 16 watching that show. And I'm, that's my calling. Like, I want to live at the Playboy Mansion. And so I basically was. I was there every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But when I got denied being a Playmate, I was like, all right, well, then I'm just going to take things into my own hands. And so I had read that book, How to Make Love Like a Porn Star by Jenna Jameson. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do porn. So I just did like a full spiral deep dive into how to get into the adult industry, like how to get into porn, how to make movies, what agencies to go through. Like I had a couple of weird, you know, agents that didn't get me any work. And then I found the one that I ended up signing with. And he was like, yeah, for sure, we can do this. And after that, it was like 2000 and maybe 12, 2011. And then that's when my porn career took off. What was the first... Well, first of all, it does not surprise me that you took things into your own hands. Like I said, touch by an angel. Things turn into gold. I'm. I, we're going to get into all of that in a second. But what was it like for you? Like, were you nervous when you first did your first film? Or were you just like... I mean, I've I've spoken to a lot of people in the adult industry it's a job. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I don't think it's that dissimilar. I mean, again, I'm, I'm only saying from perspective, but like, you know, actor, you're an actor, like you're doing a job. Like this is not like a date. I, it's almost identical to just like a modeling job, except that you are having sex. And with a lot of people around and, and yeah, and you know what acting. I mean? Yes. hundred. It's both of those things like merged, but it's very much like a professional job where you just like show up. But I was super nervous the first time I even took like hardcore nude photos. I felt like just the transition of like a soft, you know, Playboy look to, you know, spreading open your legs for a camera. I was like, oh my God, everybody's going to see this. This is crazy. Like I definitely felt like a rebel, you know? I mean, yeah, but I think (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's a pretty, but people do it all the time now. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is like, (laughs) 
you were, I think when you started, it was that time where it was, again, I, you know, I bring it back to kind of like the vivid, the playboy. I mean, for me, Pamela Anderson is like, God, I mean, I love her. Like oh, I always Pamela loves her. I mean, I loved, you know, Jenna Jameson. Like these were gorgeous, powerful, sexy women that to me, I'm like, they're fucking hot and they are fucking the shit out of these dudes and women. And they seem like they're just like, on vacation all the time. I'm like, this seems, this seems great, but I can, I can see why it would be nerve wracking. Did you ever go back to the Playboy Mansion and talk to Hef after you sort of left, you know, and. So actually Hef wrote me, because I was very close to him. He wrote me a letter that said, I am no longer welcome to come up to the weekend parties or to Friday or Saturday or movie night or fun in the sun and all the things I had been like such a big part of my life. I was devastated. And I wrote him back and I was like, wait, why? Like like I, a letter in the mail vibe. He was a very old school guy. I mean, he was elderly, but he like loved a good letter in the mail. I would write him letters all the time. He wrote me a letter and was just like, you know, you can't be a Playboy model any longer and you can't come up to the mansion because Playboy models cannot do hardcore pornography. And you knew better than that. And I was like, I did try to lie and say that I didn't know. I didn't know that rule, but I was like, well, uh, I didn't know. What to, I, I just, I wanted the both of the things. I wanted to be able to go up there and be able to have a career. And so I wrote him back. And then he just ultimately wrote back saying that it just wasn't something that I could do. And it was all over. And he was going to take down my cyber girl pictorial. And uh. he couldn't delete any of my print work that I had done. Magazines already out, published work. But he took down my, you know, Playboy Cyber Girl pictorial, which was like the pictures from the test shoot for Playmate. And anyway, it broke my heart. I was literally so sad about it. But then years later, and I won't say her name because she wouldn't want that. But one of his girlfriends at the time who was icy cold to me when I was up there, because it's like there's a hierarchy and you have to like defend your position. So if you're like a girlfriend, you don't want any other girlfriends. So you right. have to the other girls. So anyway, she was up there and she was always pretty icy, but we became friends on Instagram literally a decade later. And she was like, oh my gosh, because I asked her, I said, what happened? Because like, it just felt so abrupt. And she was like, oh, well, actually, Crystal Hefner, his, you know, a widow, she at the time brought in your movies from browsers that you had shot and then played them for Hef. (gasps) And then Hef, wanted to see more videos and actually was into it. And then instead, this is, by the way, this is what this woman say, but still, but I I feel like it's valid. And that basically Crystal was like making a huge scene and saying that like, she is just disgusted by it. And she doesn't want anybody doing this that comes up to the mansion. So really it was like her, you know, her call to say, Rachel can't come up here anymore. And I was just, it was nice to have the closure. I was like, Oh, Okay, so it really it wasn't anything to do with me or half. It was really just his wife. Okay, that's that kind of tracks. She's been so um, (laughs) negative. Yeah, it clocks. She's been so (laughs) negative about him since he passed away. And I've just found that all to be like a little cringe. But whatever. I don't know her, but we don't like her. So fuck her. Yeah, Um, (laughs) you and I were in the car one day. 
And we were dri- I was driving you to the two short music video set that you and I starred in that I roped and coerced you into, um, which you guys can all <laughs> watch that video online. Uh, Rachel and I made her do this. And I watched you negotiate or I watched, but also listened to you negotiate a scene. Oh, on the phone? Yeah. Oh. And it, I know you're like, what? And it's one <laughs> of the stories about you that sticks with me. Um, another one we'll get to that I fucking, Rachel and I, my, it's all very confusing. Rachel is obviously the guest. Rachel is my wife. Everybody's name is Rachel. <laughs> but Rachel and I love one story that I'm, we have to tell on this show. But I re- remember listening to you negotiate and I'm like, damn, you are fucking such a mastermind because you were, The way you were doing it was obviously very strong, standing up for yourself, getting like what you wanted for that particular project that you were doing. But I could tell that you were almost not like placating this guy, but you knew how to work him so well. And I just respected the shit out of it because it could have you could have been negotiating fucking uh, a delivery of wood. And it would have been the same. Do you know what I mean? Like insert whatever. Yeah. And when I say that everything touches to gold with you, I really feel like it does because you ended up buying this house in Topanga and turning it into this like money making Airbnb photo shoot extravaganza. Like, did you always know that was going to be what was going to happen when you purchased that property? Or did you just say, like, I love shabby chic. I love my aesthetic. I'm just going to make this what I'm going to make it. Or, like, talk me through it because I think it's amazing what you've done there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my mom has passed away. But when she was alive, she was an interior designer. And she was, like, a really good interior decorator. And she was able to, like, transform any home into something magical and special in any aesthetic, she from modern to beach to anything. But her one of her favorite looks was kind of like a more of country style shabby chic. So not my shabby chic, which is more of like glamour and girly and like ethereal. But so she helped me kind of like trick out the place. And I had my, you know, my touch on it. And so I just kind of got obsessed with the house because it reminded me of my mom. And then you know, my passion for interior design came out and it's a small house. So it's almost easier to really make it perfect because you don't have tons of space that you're having to like figure out. And I feel like I spent a lot of time there because it's kind of um, isolated. And so for me, like whatever I put my energy into, I feel like that's going to thrive, which is like everybody's rule, right? Like what you put your energy into is something that will bloom. So for me, I was at home all the time. And yeah, it just became a passion. And then I was with an ex-boyfriend and I moved in with him into a new home. And so I needed to kind of offset that rent. And so that's where I started to Airbnb the house. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I can kind of make it a theme. Like I love the Madonna Inn up north and like themed things. I'm obsessed with themes. Like that's the one thing that I feel like for me, Playboy was something I was so attracted to because half like loved themes. And so I just really got into this like fairy tale aesthetic and then, you know, started kind of um it's like a full blown thing though now. Didn't like the CEO or an executive at Airbnb stay at it? 
Ah, Brian Chetsky, the founder of Airbnb, stayed there recently and he loved it. I guess he wasn't exper- he wasn't expecting it when he booked it. He was just like in town, booked it because he was doing this thing where he stays at Airbnbs while he, you know, basically works remote and travels for work. And then it just like really had an impact on him. So um, I'm dead. I loved that. I mean, because... It is. Every time you post about it, I'm like, another photo shoot. I mean, I just feel like people have created so much content there. I know. So actually, yeah, it's it got, I feel like it just got overwhelming where I was like, oh my gosh, there's people in my space. You never really know what's going to happen. And then the storms of LA hit and I had like, you know, water coming in and I, somebody broke the bed. I was like, okay, pause. We're pausing. We're mm-hmm. pausing all this. So now it's under construction and we're adding like a second floor and it's going to be this like dome, mid-century, modern glass, like, I don't even know how to explain it, kind of circular, spherical second edition with like windows everywhere. So you have like these gorgeous mountain views. And so I'm really excited about that project, but nobody can stay there until it's done. (laughs) So are you going to change the aesthetic if uh, completely, or are you going to keep it and just add to it? Just haven't quite figured it out. I need to see what this addition looks like. And then from there, I'll be able to like decide what, what I'm going to do to it. But yeah. You've, you've lived and stayed in a ton of really interesting places. Like you were up in the Hollywood Hills when we first met when you had the pigs. Who's oh how, wasn't that a famous person for a famous person's house that you were staying in? Oh, so it was the old house of Carrie Fisher. Oh, was it? Princess Leia? Yeah, no, no, of course I know who Carrie Fisher is, but that was her house. I thought it was like a rock musician's house. Oh, so at the, I mean, she, that used to be her house, but at the time I was like leasing it, it was, um, I don't want to say Nickelback, but I think it was Nickel, somebody like Nickel. No, no, not Nickelback. Come on. What's, oh my God. Like Creed Live. Oh, what's Matchbooks oh, 20? I'm really thrilled. No, it's one of the, it's not any of them, but it's that vibe, that energy. I'd have to like. Is that, that is so funny. But that was a fabulous house. And that's when I first met your sweetie little baby angel pigs. Um, I still have my, my pigs. Oh, I know you do. Yeah, okay, good. I just, um, so, yeah. and cause Rachel, my Rachel is so like, so obsessed with pigs and you, had the pigs, you were told they were dwarf, which is not real, right? Yeah, it's a whole scam. <laughs> it's- that I like Paris Hilton accidentally, you know, started because she got a miniature pig, which she had, had to give give away because it got too big. And then everybody was like, oh, mini pigs. Yeah, mini pigs are not a thing. They're just They're just babies. So then you moved and you bought that condo in West Hollywood, that gorgeous, like iconic, you know, mid-century... Oh. And this is the story that I love. Oh, I <laughs> Rachel and I love this story. So you have these two pigs. And for those listening, pigs are smart as fuck. They're really sweet. You taught us about the smelling like maple syrup. Yeah. Pigs smell like maple syrup. They do. Which wow. I don't understand why, but they mm. do. Edible cuteness. Tell everybody what the names of the pigs are. So Harley and Quinn were my original pigs. Now I have Quinn and I have Tim, who's a feral rescue. And Wait, Miss- what happened? Oh, didn't you have to give away Harley? Oh, Miss Harley passed. <gasps> and 
I feel so guilty every day because it's like everything in hindsight, right? Like you look back and you're like, oh, what could I have done better? And like the thing about pigs is they are prey animals. So they'll like hide all of their symptoms of illness or sickness from you. And so you'll be like, oh, well, you're looking a little skinny. So I like had a exotic vet come out and she was like, oh yeah. Like she made up some answer about how Quinn was bullying Harley and that's why she wasn't able to eat her food. Long story short, that wasn't true. And if she had gone to an emergency vet sooner, we could have rectified the situation. But instead, that came too late. And so by the time she was there, we did like a whole blood transfusion. I brought Quinn in to give his blood to his sister, tried to save her life. And like at the end of the day, it was just too late. So now I know if there's even one thing wrong, you take them into an emergency vet. You don't like wait for a vet to come out and like give you some assessment. Like you need like blood work. You need to like take them in immediately. Okay, I'm so sorry. Also, we can't tell Rachel about this because she'll freak out. Yeah, no, Harley is in heaven, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so Harley and Quinn, they were mischievous and naughty. And I thought it was the funniest thing of all time. And you'd, and again, remind me if I've romanticized the story, but one day you get like a phone call, right? Because you had left the pigs at home and they had broken out of Mm -hmm. the condo. Yeah. And what happened? You have to tell the story. I fucking love this story. It was those windows that I think they're called Gillespie windows where they're not good for insulation. There's like slats and they can break and they can lift. And so the pigs were so smart and are so smart that they were able to take their snout and lift the, you know, windows basically out of the slats so that there was like enough space for them to escape. And they just jump out and there was a pool at this condo. So they're running around the pool. They're running around people's areas. They're about like, you know, they're they're saying everybody's reporting it. And I literally had lied to these condo people and then told them I had one pig. That was like the issue. But I had been saying there was just one pig. I'm surprised they let you move in there with any pigs. I know. And it sh- I like shouldn't have done it. And I don't, like I said, everything is hiding. <laughs> like I just would never do that again. It was a learning lesson. The pigs ended up damaging the historical plumbing, $20,000 worth of damage to the plumbing because they would go, I had like a really a big balcony and they would go out there. There's a queen size bed on the balcony for them to sleep in. It was like fully covered and everything. And, um, then there was like an area where I would put sod down, like fresh grass every week. And then there was a drain. And so they would go potty on the sod. I would get rid of it at the end of the week. And then their urine would go in the drain. Like that seems hygienic. That seems legit. It's like in its own area. The thing is, it the enzymes in the pee or whatever basically fucked up all the pipes. Apparently. <laughs> oh my God. I, I didn't dying. know. Like I had no idea that there that that would happen. You know what I mean? But apparently, because it's like so strong and have I, I have no idea. Basically, there were guys in hazmat suits at the end of this oh and they were God. like drilling into the walls. And I was like shamed and it was real, it was gnarly. I made a mistake. A big one. (laughs) You made a huge mistake. I just, I just know that apartment building. It's like been in movies and TV, and like it's it's such a cool apartment building. And so the me imagining these two little naughty pigs, which by the way they're not little. I should stop saying that. They're fucking huge ass pigs. 
Cute. Running around the pool, playing in the pool. Like I, it is really one of my favorite stories of yours of all time. You said something recently on your Instagram and I'm going to mess it up. So if I do just correct me, but you were talking about how like essentially, you know, for so long when you were in working in the adult industry, like the word porn star porn or like that kind of adult modeling or whatever was like shamed and dirty, you know, all these things, these awful stigmas that people put on people who work in the adult industry, which is ridiculous. Um, But now with like Instagram and OnlyFans, it's like far more acceptable. Is that kind of correct? That is that kind of the sentiment that you were saying? When I I think when I was, I mean, I talk about it quite a bit. Sorry about the dogs barking. Um, These listeners know Ravioli is a monster. They know all about dogs barking. Perfect. Okay. So basically like I, I want, it was over a decade ago that I got into the adult business. And I am telling you, I think about it all the time. It is as if I've lived in like a different century or a different, um, just like an entirely different world. Because when I got in, it was truly something that was like so controversial, so crazy, so wild. And then COVID happened. And people started to use OnlyFans and mainstream merged with adult. This is like what my, this is my theory, at least. I don't know if this is true, but I feel like so many people started to use OnlyFans to actually, you know, buy content from performers. But then also mainstream models and people that had nothing to do with adults started using OnlyFans too. And so that kind of merged this like adult mainstream situation where I feel like porn started being accepted as just like content, just like everything else. Yeah. And a lot of different people that were big celebrities that were not in the adult industry started also using OnlyFans. And then like over this like, you know, period of 12 years, all of a sudden it's something that's like so acceptable. And I live in LA. So I feel like LA is you know, I'm so lucky. I'm sure I wouldn't feel this way if I was like in the middle of Oklahoma. But I just, I have no like qualms about talking about my job. It's not what I lead with. Like I don't, you know, show up to my country club or to my son's a daycare and talk about porn because I don't want to get into it. But I don't feel like this sense of shame in the same way that I used to feel. Now it's kind of just like something I'm proud of. People are interested in it. It's curious. It's it's different, but a lot of people do it and it's okay. And it's just like wild. It is wild. I mean, like Larza Pippen talking about being on OnlyFans on The Real Housewives of Miami. I think that's when I was like, huh, like, okay, this is really <laughs> something else, you know? And I think, listen, I mean, people have been going to strip clubs for a bitches and they're, and straight women go to the Abbey and think it's funny. And I mean, there is so much different. I think you're right. I think there was a convergence of mainstream media with the adult media industry. I felt like it was going to be a natural progression, though. I think as society starts, stops like stigmatizing that work. I mean, I don't see a huge difference. I think if anything, the, the bodies are so much more realistic and beautiful in the adult industry than they are in high fashion modeling. But if you... Like Hunter Schaefer looked absolutely stunning at the Vanity Fair red carpet 
but she was wearing a fucking feather over her tits. What's the difference? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference between that red carpet these days and like the AVN awards? Not much. Only people are, you know, stereotyping. And I don't know. Like, I I think it's also nice to see a lot of different body acceptance in, in that modeling world, even if you're just kind of singling out modeling. Did you ever feel like a pressure before to stop working in the adult industry because society wasn't catching up with respecting performers in it? You know, I feel like I've always just known that I was going to be successful and adult and that it was going to be okay. And I had made a choice that had a lot of consequences. And then I, when I was like 27 years old, I ended up inheriting a bunch of real estate. And like I said, what did I say? Touch by an angel. Fucking everything touches to gold. I'm serious with you. I feel feel very blessed. I was able so at 27, I was able to basically not have to work. And then I still continue to work because I like my job. I like my brand that I've built. I enjoy being in the adult industry without like having to perform like for instance, you know, working on my book, it's still I'm in the adult industry because it's a book about adult, but it's not like I'm having to do anything. So it's kind of like having to do labor of like having sex on the film. But basically, I will continue to work in the adult industry, even if I can retire, because I enjoy the adult industry. And yes, it has there has been a lot of um, feeling of shame and rejection from some people, but it has not been enough to make me like decide not to do it anymore if anything i feel i feel like it gave me more incentive to continue to try to normalize it because i'm like i don't want other people joining this business and feeling the way that i feel like i better keep on working to normalize it how do you think the business is different for young performers getting into it now versus when you did oh my gosh i feel like people getting into the business now have so much freedom in being independent contractors and just shooting for themselves and having their own platform, whether that be a website, whether that be OnlyFans, whatever, however you share your content. I think it's incredible. You literally don't have to depend on big companies to be a big name performer. You just don't. That freedom from the man, which is like the director, the production company, the small world that is adults that is very difficult to succeed in because it's so limited now, especially with mind geek or man win or whatever you want to call them taking over, you know, um, like Pornhub and everything. I feel like it's just a better place for performers because now you don't need them. You don't need all these different people's acceptance of you. If you don't book a shoot, who cares? You can shoot from home. And I feel like somebody's going to want to watch it. Like that's what's cool about adult is that there is a lot of diversity, body diversity and diversity in general, because there's many different consumers. Not everybody is going to want the same thing. And so I feel like you could be anybody and you can come into adult and you're going to find some sort of niche, you know? Yeah. So I think they just have more freedom. Yeah, I think. And and that's, I mean, and 
it's a lot safer probably to shoot if you're just getting into it, shooting at home or shooting yeah. with a partner that you know, or you know what I mean? Like yes, much safer. Yes. I mean, that is, yeah, it's like, oh, that's a very like, com- you know, impacted, complicated topic in and of itself. But I feel like the safety aspect, especially if you're just shooting with people that you know, or yourself, I mean, you can never compare that to like having to go into some weird person's house or a director house that you don't know and like risking your life. Like it's literally could be a life or death situation for people that aren't necessarily being booked with like top studios. But I feel like that's people still shoot for studios and for random directors. But I feel like the option not to is now here. Like you don't have to do that at all. Would you ever shoot with a big company now that you have your own site and you can shoot like you have your own kind of direct to fan opportunities? Yeah, I'm happy to shoot for companies that I find to be ethical. And I have been in forever. So I know who's ethical and who's not. And I feel like I'm very much like aware of the people that are in the adult industry, the people on set. I'm educated about it. So it's not I wouldn't not do it. I just would be super picky. And the thing is, there's not that many, there's not that many companies now. Yeah, there's not. Is there still like the Vivids? I don't know. That's like the only one I know. Vivid <laughs> is not shooting, but they're they, not. Oh no, I don't think they've shot in for in forever. But um Vixen. Oh yeah, Vixen. All like every all the companies under that umbrella, that's legit. That's a good site. They have Tushy, Tushy Raw. All of that's really good. And then... Brazzers. No. So Brazzers is owned by Pornhub, which you and I briefly oh, talked yeah. about the documentary. God, but so see, I don't they're, know all, they're yeah. all owned by that company. And I'm honestly, I feel like it's changed so much that I wouldn't necessarily not shoot for them. Again, it's not even that I feel that way today. It's I personally have had some pretty bad experiences on browser sets years ago, like so many years ago that I'm sure due to everybody voicing their experiences that things have changed. I've actually talked to performers who are like, oh yeah, I know it's total, it's all better now. It's fun. So I'm sure, you know, with time people change their ways. It's not like the same as it was five years ago when I was there. Yeah. Do you feel like a camaraderie with any of the perform? Like, do you are are you still close with any of the performers you first started out with, or do you? I mean, your life is so different now, right? And you and I know each other in the context of like your friends that you legit grew up with. I mean, I know you're like ride or die (laughs) homies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. So, do you kind of hang out with any of them, or do you kind of keep things separate, or? you know, what is it like now? So I feel like when you join the adult industry, you have this bond with sex workers forever. I mean, obviously, if you've exited on a really bad note, you might not want to continue that relationship. But I am still in the adult industry. And I even though it's not the same as when I was like performing all the time, I talk to my peers, my girlfriends, we have like this bond that nobody else will ever understand. And so it's not something for me that I could just like not have in my life anymore because 
there are people that have been like a really big part of my my life. Like I I just I love them. So yeah, I feel like there is like a support system. And anytime you know if I'm going through something and I need to talk to somebody, but only uh, only a fellow you know porn performer would understand, I'll like reach out to them. And I mean, I still consider some of them some of my really close friends. So yeah, it's it's nice. It's like a little kind of club, if you will. I would think so. I think it's it doesn't matter what, again, like what the profession is. Like you could be negotiating fucking bricks or wood or I I've worked at jobs where, you know, only those people know kind of like what you go through. I think it's really important to have yes. those relationships and I think when you're in like a marginalized community, you yes. know, when you're in a community that's like people don't understand but still really want that's the that's always the thing that always kind of, you know, irks me about those that criticize, you know, any community that services the larger community, but also is in high demand. No, but for real, like well, what other community is marginalized that does that? Nobody. That's why it's like drug dealers, world. former cannabis people Drugs are illegal. So that's the fucking cannabis criminal. is not illegal. I'm not a fucking criminal. And yeah, you're sorry, not a criminal. Sorry to shame drug lovers. Okay, I am. That's I true. am not a criminal. That's the fucking difference. There's no other marginalized community that services and is legal that is treated the way a sex worker is treated, and drugs don't count because it's minus cannabis. And even in some type of place, cannabis is still not legal. But that's a whole other. That's like a a legal issue. You know what? No, no, no. You're right. I mean, I remember again, like years and years ago, you and I were talking about like you had some issue with a bank. Like, no, it's just it's fucked. It's like really awful. I think the way I'm telling you is it is changing. I think you were on like that is this is like a thing of the past. Yeah, that's the fucking coolest part. It's like that. We don't have to live like that anymore. It's very liberating. I, I'm I'm so happy that it is because it's about fucking time. You <laughs> have your master's. You wrote this incredible book, which like when is the book coming out and when can June. I read it? June? And you, and you can read it this week. <gasps> yeah. Really? Uh, I, I'm going to send it to you so that you can. Um, Wait, are we going to have like a party? Can we do like a party? Let's do a book release. Come on, Rachel. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You got some rich friends. Let's do one down in Laguna. We'll make yeah. Drew fly in. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm I'm serious. Writing a book is like no joke. And when we first met, you were you were just starting it. I I remember. God. Which is crazy because it takes a long time. What um <laughs> what like is this kind of the beginning? You know, you have a really unique story. You know, you grew up very privileged in Laguna Beach. You had, you know, a stunning mother who is I got to meet who was really lovely and warm. And I even met your sister. Also, shout out to your sister. I loved Aww. her. Remember, we were yeah. like a fucking two peas in a pod. Um, <laughs> she's a classic. She's a classic character. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you like we're on Laguna Beach. You wanted to be in the adult industry. You got in it. You're super fucking educated. You've gone and spoken at schools about consent. Like you've done all of these incredible things. Is that what people can expect in the book? You're a mother. You're like a fucking hot, 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 <laughs> hot mom. I'm a MILF. I'm you a really MILF. are a MILF. Which I'm finally a fucking MILF. I, this is no surprise. That's my favorite. They've been calling me a MILF 
way before I was in MILF and I was offended. And now I'm thrilled. Why? Oh my God. Milf? I wasn't a mom and I really wanted to be a mom. I know. You really did want to be a mom. Like, you really did. You I did. Really That's what I'm saying. And ever you made it happen. You have he's so cute. That little red head. I mean, I die. I love the red hair. I'm oh, obsessed. I'm obsessed. He's fucking cute. But you is like now is the motherhood journey in the book? Like, talk to me. I'm so, so excited to read it. Was supposed to be just like the a story, a memoir, and it turned into maybe a little bit more about um about like sexual assault than I wanted it to. Yeah. <laughs> really, which it was not my intention. And I feel like that's so crazy that it's like you set an intention for a book and it comes out completely different than what you're in. But you know what though? I I actually just talked about this on I did a solo episode this week and I started writing something years ago. I got like an agent. Everything it was supposed to be something totally else. They started to really like make it into like a sex book about being bisexual and like threesomes, which like, guess what? I've had a bajazillion threesomes. I've been to a bajazillion sex parties, which, by the way, I don't even know if you and I have talked about, but like no one even talks about how so many fucking people are swingers like the swinger crazy, insane communities that live and breathe, by the way, mostly in like tech, San Francisco, like, girl, I got stories. But I started to tell that and I didn't know that that's what the book was going to be about. I've paused it and sort of rewritten. And I think and now my book is also completely about sexual assault, too. So guess what? (laughs) That's what just happens. But I think that can really help people. I mean, was it cathartic for you to write about it or? I mean, in some ways, because I feel like I got it out, but I feel like the editing process has made it like PTSD. You know, I feel like reading this, I like don't really want to. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Are you doing like a an audio book? Yes, I will be recording an audio book. Oh my gosh, I feel like this is huge. We have to have a party. Make fucking Taylor throw you a party. Yes, I love that. That's such a good idea. I'm like very into this. I'm I've been waiting. I'm so excited. The other thing that Rachel and I talk about with you is like you were so early in the crypto game. (laughs) Remember when you fucking worked at that like crypto strip club? Legends. The legend. Did you get so rich from that? I was paid for my appearance fee. Like, you know, like how Scott yeah, but like, like that was so long ago. You must have made. I did a oh, whole no, I episode. Wasn't, I wasn't personally investing money in crypto. I was the like they would pay me to show up to the club. Oh, they weren't paying you in crypto? No. I thought you were getting paid in fucking Bitcoin. No, I, I feel like. Damn I, it. Damn I, it. I would have to tell Rachel I, now. We have told ourselves this story. And I literally had like a major guy who I know who I knew 12, 13 years ago um, on this show who's in crypto. And I was like, you know what? The only good story I have is my friend, Rachel. She was paid in crypto at a strip club. Didn't it all all of the crypto go down? Yeah, girl, I lost a grip of money. What? I lost a ton of money. That's what I'm saying. It's all gone anyway. Yeah, see, you didn't touch it. You have an angel on your... See, you didn't get paid in crypto. God damn it. I'm telling you, everything you touch turns to gold. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, but no, you you and everybody else lost their money in crypto. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Oh, so wait, like, 
come back? I don't know. You tell me. You are a soothsayer when it comes to business and fucking money. Like, I don't know. It should be. You are. You really are. Um, One other, I just have to tell you on air, um, you getting your car washed with your window down, I, it really, (laughs) (laughs) I have to tell you. You're you are one of my favorite follows. No, and I'm being really dead serious. One, because you're super honest and earnest. And I think that, you know, a lot of people aren't that way. And so I love it because when I watch you, I'm like, oh, Rachel, you know, and I obviously I follow your private account, but I think also on your public. Oh, my God. We never, ever said your adult performer name. Oh, Tasha, Tasha Rain. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ta- I because I don't. The book is written by Tasha Rain. Oh, the book is written by Tasha Rain. It is. How does that work? Do you legally have the name Tasha Rain? Are you like a double per? Doesn't that mean you have aliases? That's your alias. Well, I own I own the corporation Tasha Rain Inc. And then I've trademarked the name Tasha Rain for everything. How did you come up with the name Tasha Rain? I used to strip at a club called Silver Rain in Santa Monica, spelled the same way. And then I felt like it was a powerful last name because it means you know to reign over something. And then Tasha, I just chose that with, I brainstormed with some friends, my mom, we decided Tasha it is. That's, that's my stage name. So Tasha Rain. Yeah. 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 But if you Google like the name Tasha, I feel like it's usually a black woman and I never even associated, not like that is good or bad. I just never thought of Tasha being a black person's name. Which oh is- my God. Do you know what I just remembered is, oh my God, this what? is the last time when I went to this awful 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 bachelorette in vegas with this woman who i am no we we were childhood friends we are no longer friends she was such a fucking asshole at her wedding and at her bachelorette and remember i came to see you i fucking do remember that (laughs) and she was so drunk everyone was so wasted and i was i mean i was probably a horrible person to come see you perform because remember i was like can we just like hang out i I'm, I'm the worst. I was like, let's just like kick it. Like, and you're like, yeah, remember? Yeah, I do remember actually vividly because I feel like I brought you or her up on stage. Her. Yeah. Thank you for that. She's such a dick. Yeah, no, I would love to be. I've never been brought up on stage. I'd be so down. I'm just not feeling very confident about my body these days. So I don't know if I would like be into it. You know, I'm also yeah. the person that like goes to the strip club, throws all the money. And then I'm always like, oh, sorry, I don't want to be creepy because everybody's creepy. But you know what I mean? Which I think ends yeah. up translating as being creepy. Oh, don't you think is that creepy? Or would you be like chill if a girl was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want to be disrespectful. No, no. If somebody makes it known they don't want to be touched, I'm down. I'm, I won't touch them. And I understand. No, I want to be touched. Nobody said I didn't want to be touched. Oh. I'm <laughs> You saying I want to touch them, but I'm like I don't want to touch you because I don't want to be weird and put your boobs in my face. Ah. I think strip clubs are kind of it's it shouldn't be such a gray area, but it is. Like a lot of people go in there with like different notions and ideas, and like I don't know. I've been to a lot of strip clubs. I've had a lot of different. I auditioned to be a bartender at um yeah at Gold at at Golds in San Francisco, and they said no which I think is so funny. They said I wasn't oh. sexy enough to be a cocktail waitress. Rude. And I, I, it's hard. It's, 
it's the only job where people will like literally say things like that about your appearance. And it's like validated in their mind because of like the job that it is, but it doesn't seem ethical when you say it. Yeah, it wasn't great. I was like, oh, okay, well, fuck that. Um, But no, I mean, I've been to many. I've seen all sorts of shit pop off at strip clubs. Like, I know, they're, all, they're a fucking weird place. They're a strip, weird place. They strip are, clubs are a weird place. And now, to be honest with you, all of my friends that are in the adult industry are all just doing private sex work. Like, they're all just doing either OnlyFans or they're still doing escorting privately. Like, they, everybody's got their own thing, which I kind of like, you know what I mean? That they're all like, I like that women are making their own decisions and choices you know yeah that's the thing it's like the the, there's a lot less people anywhere but a strip club there's like too many random people you know yeah so you've we've got the book coming out yeah i know you always wanted to do a screenplay i feel like what (laughs) did i make that up Honestly, I'm your biggest supporter. I'm just making up all types of shit. I made up that you are so rich from Bitcoin crypto. I can't believe I'm going to have to go tell Rachel that that didn't happen. She's going to die. When I go leave this room and I'm like, Rachel, we completely fucking made that up about Rachel. She's going to be like, what the fuck? I like talk to the owner of the Legends room regularly and I'm going to bring it up and be like, Peter, why did you not pay me in crypto? Yeah, I'm going to ask Peter that. I'm going to ask Peter that too. You've got your Airbnb fucking like <laughs> monopoly game going on with a beautiful son. What's like next for you? Because you are like really a sharp, sharp, sharp businesswoman. And I know you've got something up your fucking sleeve. No, my plate is full. This is it. I'm like mom mode and my book. Like that's those are my two biggest priorities right now. What about so, a wedding? You know? No. Liz, hate to break this to you. It's not, it's not great. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. I feel like (laughs) we can edit that out if you want. No, I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Okay. I feel like, you know, it's so funny. There's so much like, especially as you get older and you figure out like you're, because you're younger than me. I always forget you guys are all such little young bucks running around. I think like really prioritizing yourself and your child. Like you're a mom now, dude. That's such a big, amazing deal. So fun. Is it? Well, it's just like fucking really hard, but it's like really fun. Like I I am so grateful because this is like, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you look the hottest you've ever looked. Thank you. Tell me that if I am able to get pregnant and I have a kid, I'm going to be hot like you. You are going to be hotter than me when you have your kid. I don't know. I saw your pregnancy hot photos and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm like, God aren't damn it. Those aren't for every Like, not everybody finds a huge pot belly like that attractive. It was, it was really? like. I think pregnant you, ladies are hot. You do? Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm into it. Like, I think, I don't know if you're going into like the MILF sector, but my favorite MILF of all time, and I'm pretty sure she's not a MILF, is Sherry DeVille, and you know this. No, I think Sherry DeVille is a MILF. Is she? I'm not positive. I just feel it, but I'm not sure. She is the hottest MILF of all time. Like, nobody can compete with her. Also, I gotta say, very realistic to me that she's enjoying everything that's happening all the time. Not that I've ever, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like... She's a very enthusiastic person. 
she's also really kind. Like she's such a nice, genuine person. I'm like, I would also say this. I would argue that on the Kinsey scale, from like straight, she's clearly bisexual. From but by from bisexual to lesbian, I think she's like me, omnisexual. Ooh, which Wait, means what? I think she prefers women than she does dudes. I really do, deep down. But is she, does she? She's not? bi. Okay, I but like, I have a feeling. I have yeah. a hard suspicion. A hard suspicion makes her hotter to me. I can't does help she- it. You do boys on camera too. She does boys all the time. She does. She does everybody in the club, but she definitely. I think she and Danny Daniels are like in love. I also think like le- making lesbian porn is oftentimes just more enjoyable than heterosexual porn, even if you are into guys, because it's like you're with this weird guy. You know. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um. Rachel, I love you. I can't thank you enough for doing this. And I'm so excited. Tell everybody what the name of the book is and everything and how they can find it and how they can get it. Because I really, I will say this. I really wanted you to be on the show. I was thinking about you last month and then like whatever the fucking Oscars happened and I got so busy. And then I saw you out to dinner with our mutual friend and I was like, I'm so jealous. I live so fucking far away from Malibu now. This is so annoying. I like can never go out and see anyone. But I wanted you on here just because seriously, like you're so smart. You like you're so honest. I think. Yeah, I just you know, I love you. So I just like wanted you on here. So and I wanted everybody to meet you. So how do people find the book? So in June of this year, From Princess to Porn Star, a real life Cinderella story will be at any bookstore near you. And you can pre-order today right now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble wherever you find your books. And oh, you can pre-order it now. Pre-order. Oh, I'm going to fucking throw up the link. Yes, and the link is in my bio on Instagram at Tasha Rain. So I hope you enjoy the book if you get the book. And um, yeah, I'm excited. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Rachel is a badass and she's so funny and she's so open and she's so smart. I learned things... I didn't know. I'm going to have to crush my wife's soul and tell her that Rachel was not paid in Bitcoin, unfortunately, which makes me really sad. (laughs) um, I can't really keep secrets from her, so I'm probably going to have to tell her that one of her pigs died, which is going to crush her soul. But make sure you pre-order Rachel's book. Make sure you follow her on Instagram and support her and support the women around you, no matter what they do. If they're adult performers or if they're you know, fucking your post service person. Like we got to support each other a little bit more and get to know each other in more ways because, you know, people will really surprise you. And that's kind of what it's all about. Anyway, I'm going to upload the full video of Rachel and I so you can see her beautiful face on my Patreon. Um, And uh, give me a couple of, good star reviews and give them to Rachel on her Amazon book page as well. 